Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Your Living Proof Podcast. I'm Danny, sitting next to this beautiful blonde, Emily. We're excited to be with you guys today. Um, Hopefully you're all enjoying summer. Before we get started, um, we had something pretty cool happen. When was this? Three days ago? Yeah, just this past weekend. This past weekend, we went out to a small town, a community, um, for our Raising Kids in Combat workshop. We had done one of these about a month ago. Yep. It was almost exactly a month and ago. And there was a couple there. Um, Big Sky Plumbing is the company they own. A little shout out to them. Yep. They're amazing. They were really inspired and they said, hey, we want to bring this to our community. So they brought us out there. We actually had to change location twice. Yes. And we ended up um, using the local school because more and more people kept joining. When more people in the community found out what these topics were, which was you know, navigating through technology, trying to figure out how to be proactive with addictions and your loved ones it was an onslaught yeah right, it, was, it was crazy they were kind of like well we, we, we want to offer this to our employees and then it was like no that's not enough we want to em- allow our employees to tell any of their friends or family to come and then it was like okay we're going to open it up to the whole community yeah and- so then they got the school and even right before remember when they called and the chief of police yes the chief of police wanted to offer it he said any of his officers that wanted to attend would would get paid as training hours to go yeah. so it so was ended up like being awesome. cool and you know the the event went well the people were eager to learn and, yep. and we just we learned together when you bring a community of like-minded individuals together it's powerful yep and the energy and spirit in that room were so strong and a woman made a comment to me it was very interesting she's like you know what's very refreshing about tonight? And I said, what? She said, look, there's probably equal men to women. Yeah. There were so many dads there. And when I looked at that, I was like, you know what? Wow. Because the reality is most often who it is that's fighting, right? That's standing on the other side of the door of all the threats that we're facing in life is our wonderful mothers, our wonderful yep, wives. It's moms. It's moms. And so to see a room in a community where it was like an equal. Yep. The dads were just in it to win it. Yeah. They were, equal like, their interest. Was yeah. Awesome. And desire. It was so cool. So shout out to all the dads who attended. Um, we just loved it. The event went incredible. But, you know, it is often warrior mothers. And today we're so excited to bring to you an incredibly talented, intelligent, passionate, warrior mother. Yes. I, um, have wanted to have Dina on this podcast for a while. I, if you're not already following her, we're going to get in the show notes. You're going to have every link to be able to follow her on Instagram. She's going to tell you how to get best, get a hold of her, but Dina Alexander, I'm just going to read her bio really quick. So buckle up because you're going to be like, wait, what, who, how, how, like, how did she do all this? But Dina Alexander is the founder of Educate and Empower Kids, an organization determined to strengthen families by teaching digital citizenship, media literacy, and healthy sexuality education, including education about the dangers of online porn. She is the creator of How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography and the 30 Days of Sex Talks and 30 Days to Stronger Child to a Stronger Child programs. She is the author of Noah's New Phone, a story about using technology for good, and Petra's Power to See, a media literacy adventure. Most recently, she has published The Powers of Heaven, a priesthood guide for LDS girls and boys, and This is the Spirit of Revelation for for Latter-day Saint children and their families, and Conversations with My Kids, 30 Essential Family Discussions for the Digital Age. She received her master's degree in recreation therapy from the University of Utah and her bachelor's from Brigham Young University. This is why we love you because I went to BYU and he went to the U of U. So we're, we're, we're tight. Yeah. Um, she loves being a mom and spending time with her husband and three kids. Together they live in New Mexico. Um, and just another thing is that all of those books that we mentioned, they're all linked in our link tree on Instagram because we love them so much. And whenever a family's like, what's the best book on how to have these conversations with my kids? This is what we 
um, refer you to. And we also have her listed as our resource in the back of our raising kids in combat workshop. Like we just like completely love everything that she's producing. So, Oh, some of the best content material out there. Yes. And, and for those of you, I mean, most people are aware of LDS. We are LDS. Yes. Um, there'd be a lot of references to that. But those of you who aren't, um, regardless of what you've heard, you probably know as the Mormons around the world, but it's centered around entirely, completely 100% Christ. Yes. And so I know in my line of work, 95% or more of the people I've helped and dealt with come from Christ-centered families, God-fearing right. individuals. Right. So a lot of it is faith-based. And, and ironically, sometimes that makes the situations even worse. So just a little note there, but let's get into it. <laughs> yes, let's do. Welcome. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. That was, you guys are very nice. Um, but yeah, and most of our, we should note that a lot of, most of our books are written for everybody. They are not religious. Um, two of the LDS books that you mentioned are for LDS kids, but everything else we've written, it's for everybody. Yes. Because like, like you, like, just like you, you know, the inspiration I got when I was forming this organization and writing the first books was like, I got to help as many parents as I can. Yes. You know, I got, cause I thought at first, oh, I'm just going to create a couple of lessons here for family night, put them on Pinterest and pat myself on the back. And then God's like, no, sorry, sorry. No, you got it. There's a, there's a lot more people that need help. It's not just Christian parents who are scared to talk about sex and porn. It's every, every parent. parent. That was a big surprise to me, but that's, that's the reality of what we're living in. Yes. Well, we're grateful that you did it because it's an amazing resource for everyone. Um, okay. I'm just gonna, I just want to ask you some questions and feel free to take it wherever you want. Um, my first question is what, what do you think are the greatest threats to children and adolescents right now? That is a great question and something that since you sent it to me, I've been thinking about because we could list 10, 20 things, right? Yeah. But I, in for the sake of time and for the sake of just giving people the most succinct perspective as possible, I would say two of the biggest threats right now to our families, to our kids are distraction and deception distraction in the form of online porn, gaming, television, um, social media, particularly. And, you know, it's not just our kids. This is adults. We as parents, I think, are highly distracted. The intentional, the, the focus on being intentional is getting muddled by a lot of distractions. And I, I find these days that there's very few parents who feel like they have the time and the energy to focus in on their, their children in meaningful ways. All of us know how to put our kids in soccer and dance and art class, but we are very much distracted from the things that matter most in helping them build character in helping them to be strong, to withstand all the various distractions and negative forces out in the world. And I would say deception because, of, and that's highly intertwined with the distraction, with the fake news, with so much out there on television, social media, movies, um, sharing half-truths or very unhealthy information for our kids. Those are the kind of the deception of thinking that worldly success or that um, having a certain, like that focusing on numbers, right? That if I have this number of friends that I, if I make this much money, that, that I'm a good, happy person. All of these deceptions very much intertwine, like I said, with um, the distraction. And that these are basically, I think, the biggest threats to our families emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, our overall mental health, that this is what is truly taking us away from where we can find real joy in life. I Amen. love Yeah, we always answer. use we use very similar words, distraction and disconnection. And, and yeah. it's the disconnect. The disconnect's so easy these days because, yes, you are so distracted with so many things, which I will give a plug is one of the greatest reasons to utilize the books that she has. I, don't, I think parents, whether they're distracted or not, 
a lot of the topics we're talking about, social media, pressures, pornography, and I've been screaming from the rooftops for a long time. Pornography is the gateway drug of our generation. It's not a moral choice, a moral breakdown. It is the gateway drug. It is taking more individuals down and destroying more families than anything else. It is 100%. I agree. I, I agree. It's it, one of the, and it's it's hard to watch, you know, like when we see politicians pushing for certain things or community leaders or you know, teachers at school, I feel like they're fighting at branches, right? They're just, yep. they're getting, they're, they're knocking at branches. They're not knocking at these root problems Correct. Right. And, not, and not, and not seeing something, how utterly destructive pornography. And now again, since COVID, I've definitely have stepped up my push against social media because the, I mean, the literature is just literally pouring in of how destructive it is to our kids and adult of to our psyches. Yeah. I, and I, I actually, I think that's was really powerful. What you said that, that the parents are just <clears throat> as distracted because I, I really, I, I see that a lot. I think a lot of parents have like, I don't think any parent is like, you know what? I don't really care if my kid's addicted to porn. Like I'm fine with it. No parent feels that way yet. Almost every parent really, um, has a difficult time, like you said, um, focusing on the connection with their child. They're really good at getting them involved in activities and and getting, you know, maybe setting goals with them for certain things, but not necessarily just that pure connection with them where they can talk about hard things. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and it's yeah, just. It's, it's kind of or that we that we still have so many, so many, so many parents think that handing their kid a smartphone is good is a good thing and right. is helpful to yeah. their children. And when I try to, I mean, I'll talk to parents, even I'll go to a ward council and talk to a bishopric and they think smartphones are helpful and necessary for their children. And I, whenever I challenge a group of parents, I said, I will say, go and ask every teacher, like do what I've had to do, which is work, which again, a lot of parents unfortunately don't want to do, mm -hmm. but to ask every single teacher that your kid has, you know, my kids have had an eight teachers at a time and asking every single one, does my child need a phone to have academic success in your classroom? Every single one will say no. Yeah. But they, but we have so many parents again, deceived in thinking that their kids need a smartphone for success yeah. or to keep them quiet at the grocery store yeah. or whatever that they don't realize they are literally putting poison into their children's hands. Yeah, it's, a loaded they, weapon. it's like not, not just for, again, for the porn, but the, the utter time wasting, the negative influences, yeah. the, but just the waste of time. This It's like, just, con it's like, if you put a constant, we would never put a, you know, goggles with a television screen on our kids' faces, but right. that's what we do that's when we hand we on do. the smartphone. We're like, here, just like, and it's a lot of times I see it. It's like the, please don't bother me. Yes. I want to have my, I want to have my me time or whatever, and not realizing they're putting poison into their kids' phones and also, or into their kids' hands, but also realize that there's not alternatives, right. that you, that there are dumb phones out there that you can give your kids and that it is so critical to have those meaningful conversations. Like that's, you know, cause people will, when they, sometimes when they don't care for our books, it's because they want us sometimes to script out everything for their kids uh -huh. or what to say to their kids about sex, about pornography. And I'm like, that's not what it's about. You know, your kid better than I do. When I, yeah. I have three kids, it is three different discussions I've had, but you have to face these tough conversations that your kids know that they can come and talk to you about anything, yeah, not just about their drug problem or, you know, if they will even talk to you about their porn issues or whatever, but they, you have to have those meaningful conversations face to face as much as possible, even about things that you don't think are important yeah. that you think are dumb or silly, even when they're little four five, six, seven, eight, talking to you about things that maybe you don't think are important. It's like, it's all important that's for it. them. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you, anyways, that's that building of that. But again, that's that distraction that I feel like so many of us are, are stuck in. Yeah. And the yeah. deception falls into the trap of people going, Oh, but there's so much good they can do with, you know, with the phone. And that's, if they don't, they're not going to have any friends. 
And yeah. it's really hard work. We we've tried to we've done a pretty good job of eliminating uh, technology in our home. Um, we use it on rare occasions, maybe if we're on a trip, like a special occasion, we're traveling, or if we had a good week and everyone accomplished their goals, maybe for a few hours on the weekend, one specific day. Our kids still hate us for it. I still get yeah. cursed out by my <laughs> oldest son quite often. And what I've tried to replace it with is, is activities. And that might be mountain biking or dirt biking or helping them figure out activities to do with their friends. And the other day I found myself just about wanting to pull my hair out. And we had just done a motocross race, brought our boys back and I'm just trying to unload the trailer, cleaning this and they're wanting to do this and get the hammocks out. And I thought this is what it takes. This is the sacrifice we have to do because yes, it is so much easier to say, I need my time, me time. Yep. And what I've now learned is my only me time is once my littles are asleep, like when they go to sleep, but in order to keep them connected to doing things, it requires effort. And we're all distracted with the dopamine we get from flipping on our phones. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, and that you, you nailed it and that it's about hard work. Yep. It is. Uh, Being a parent is hard work from day one until the day perhaps we're dead. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. My kids kids are starting to, but I hear it's harder when, when they're out of the house because you have absolutely no control and bigger problems. But I, I, I've had my kids, I've had different levels, right? My first child, I gave her a phone in the eighth grade big mistake. We thought we were being good parents. We were monitoring da, 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 all this stuff and total time waster, hours and hours of social media a day. The second child, we gave him a phone as a freshman and then we took it away as a junior. And I'm sharing this story to tell other parents, you can do it. Yeah, Just you because can- you've given them a phone, it doesn't mean like, oh, there's no way back. Yeah. Like we can't go back. Yeah. It's like, no, you absolutely can. And, and we, let, we, we let him know this just isn't working for our family. And we thought it was going to be anarchy and no, it was fine. And we gave him, you know, a cheap gab phone for texting. He still had plenty of friends. Yeah. Still he had connect plenty with his friends. Yeah. And we let, cause it only allows texting. You can't send pictures. You can't get on the internet with this phone. And then my younger son, we had to say to him, I'm sorry, you will never have a smartphone with us. I have just seen too many things with your siblings, with other kids, other parents. There is no reason a child a teenager needs this very adult tool. And, you know, like, again, we, at first I, for years, I said, we just have to teach kids to use technology for good. And yes, we have to do that, but it's also about giving your kid a leg up Mm -hmm. in many ways, particularly intellectually, their brains remember are not going to be done developing till they're 22, 23 years old. And then we put this very adult tool in their hands and expect them to behave like adults or to behave you know, to make consistent good choices. Right. I don't Not care. Happen. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care how smart your kids are. I don't care how spiritual they are. If they have this perfect testimony and they are just next to Jesus. Um, no, they, yep. this is you're again, you're putting poison. You're putting something that they, that 99% of teenagers cannot handle. Well, and I, I, and it, I would say and most even of adults. us don't have that. Yeah. And even adults. Exactly. Yeah. We, we do, we do dumb things. I mean, I think of when I first came on Facebook and first had a, a you know, I, I said things in text thinking I was saying one thing and then reading it later and realizing, oh, that came off really rude. Right. Or really, or I was incomplete in my thought, or I would comment on Facebook, not realizing the impact of what I was saying. And yeah. that's as that's as I was in my thirties already. Yeah, right. You know right. what I mean? And then we expect a 13 or 14 year old to just to have it. really to be consistently. Now, of course they can all do good things on it, but it's again, you're giving them a leg up, not just spiritually and emotionally by helping them to avoid all the bullying and eating disorders and self-harm in social media and porn, of course, but you're also helping them learn, you know, do better at keeping their attention span. Again, there are so many benefits to keeping your kids off of phones that that little sliver of of them doing, of doing something good on occasion, or, you know, being able to participate in a group quiz in their English class. It's like, it doesn't outweigh the, the benefits in no way outweigh yeah. The, the, the terrible consequences Correct. of having our kids on phones. Hey, on a step back, where, sure. tell everybody where you reside. I live in New Mexico right now. See, and I love that. Yeah. Because 
you know, technology brings us in. It's one advantage from all different places. Yep. But I don't care if you're in Mexico, New Mexico, Alaska, or Utah, where we're at. These are the same problems facing every single family, mm-hmm. regardless yeah. of your faith, regardless of your financial status, what you learned, what your upbringing, your childhood. It is universal. Yeah. Universal. Well, that, that yeah, was absolutely. That was absolutely. my next question was, do you feel like within like faith-based families, do you feel like the problem varies at all or are we? Yeah. Do you think faith-based communities do better? About the same as the community or worse? Because I have my own opinion on that. I, I think I think they're the same as far as say the number of consequences. Yeah, I agree. The type the type might be different, right? Because again, we have so many people that are Christian straddling the fence, right? I, I go to church, I take my kids to church, which is good. You're giving them so that they have that other voice telling them how to be honest how to be kind, how to, you know, live a good moral life. But then you're also, then you go ahead and you counter that magnifying by, the shame. by, by yeah. giving them a phone. Right. And maybe they occasionally will do some missionary work or some family history on their phone. Um, but then they have the hours and hours per day. Cause I think of it as this is why I kind of don't understand why people wouldn't take their kids to church, even if they don't, even if their faith is not super strong, because think of your one voice at home teaching ethics and kindness and goodness against all the other yeah. hours of the day yeah, yeah. that they are out in the community. The world's not offering at that. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And teachers, um, I would say maybe I, when I, when my kids tell me what is discussed in class, I would say morals and ethics are not a high priority in school. Um, certain other perhaps agendas are, and they might have a coach who is teaching them to work hard, work hard. And, yeah. you know, like, but that's again, the hours and hours on social media or YouTube or whatever television program they're watching those influences versus my one voice and then so we have Christians going to church maybe one or two hours a week. Maybe they go on a youth night. So then they have four hours a week, again, versus all, all the, other the other hours, hours. <laughs> that it's um, the problems I am seeing all over the country. Um, when I go and speak around the country or when people message me with their concerns, it is very similar in and out of any church. Even, you know, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, whoever, whatever their background, how do I talk about this? My yeah. kid did this. And it's the same exact issues because that is just how powerful. And that is what we as parents, as community leaders, as politicians, as police, doctors, lawyers have all incredibly underestimated. It's just how utterly powerful social yeah. media is. Yeah. And what it's doing to our families, what it's doing to us. I was working with a young man last week who has uh, his pornography and sex addiction has over time been, it's become so heavy. Um, it's obviously had impact on his life, but it's led to other things like self-medicating with alcohol once in a while when he just can't take it anymore. He feels so alone, feels so ashamed. So he's now developed a cross addiction, but he always compares it. You know, he always compares it to like, well, at least it's not as bad as this, or I haven't got as bad as a heroin user. I'm not a meth addict. From my own little personal experience, I just want to make this known. There are far more heroin and meth addicts that are recovering, right? First of all, you can come out to the public and be like, guys, I've been, I've been addicted to fentanyl and it's, there's not a, as much shame surrounding it. There's not as much fear. It's kind of like, well, here it is. Also, the physical signs that you're doing it are apparent to everyone. They're yeah. like, uh, yeah, you look like a wreck. All of these things help drive people to have a possible chance at recovering. Meanwhile, these sexual addictions that stem from pornography are incredibly destructive because one, I don't care about a person's faith or not. It's so intimidating to come out and talk to people about it. Now, even within a person's faith, it makes it even more scary to talk about. Yeah. But also, 
they can hide it and they don't have, it's not like they're picking on their face yeah, they and they have sick. sores and they, they don't, don't look sick. So it just makes it more, it makes it harder. So I told him, I'm sorry that your drug is actually worse. Lethal. More it's lethal more lethal than soul. these other drugs. And sorry, I interrupted you. You had a question. No. Well, I just, from, from your experience and your perspective, like uh, obviously anybody, cr- Christian community, LDS community, we're, we're not doing better. Like, it's not like we're like, oh, we've got this. Like, we figured this out. But if you could say, well, I know something that could help us get ahead. What what would that be? What do you think that would be? Well, I think, so within the, the Latter-day Saint Church, we are lucky in that they have, or blessed, it's not luck, I'm sure, um, where we've been blessed that they've been talking about yes, pornography for so, for so long. Because when I speak at other churches, it is, for a lot of people, it is a brand new topic that we're ta- that their that their pastor has talking about and has asked me to come in and talk about, whereas I've been hearing about the dangers of pornography for you know twenty years from yeah. my from the Latter Day Saint Church, but um, I would say that so the advantage would always be to start talking about it and of course not just to our our boys but to our girls, because I cannot count the number of young women who have told me that it felt even more shameful because the the leader would give the lesson as well i know this is really a boys problem but oh, i'm yeah. going to talk we're going to talk to you too that they still say that kind of thing mm-hmm. it makes me it makes me angry right yeah. because i think you have no idea the damage you're doing by those few little words yeah you know and and i agree with you that you know the shame factor can be huge in and out of the church that again because it is such an anonymous you know, quiet addiction. Like you said, you can't look at a person and know that they have an issue with pornography, but I know I always, when I try to talk about it, you know, I always try to say, you know what I have, I try to, you know, say that this might be your issue, but I have my own sins and problems and addictions as well. All of us do. Yes. You know, I'd say most people I've, I've met in my life, the best of people have struggled with some kind of physical addiction Mm -hmm. You know, that it is just, it is, again, I think accepting that it is just so common and then just always accepting with kindness that all of us have problems. All of us are struggling and letting your kids know that I've messed up. You can, you know, please talk to me. I'm never going to love you less. I'm never going to treat you less than whatever your addiction or problem has been because I'm struggling with my own as well. Yeah. It, it, that's interesting that you say that because I think that's one of the one of the points we try to help parents understand in our raising kids in combat workshops, which is you can't connect to perfection. So if, Ooh, I love that. I love that inside of your home, you're, uh, you know, hoping for the best all the time and just assuming, you know, from the outside, everybody looks like they're doing good and whatever. And you're, you're not even willing to say to your kids, man, I'm really sorry that I, behaved that way or you know what that was a poor choice that I made and I I, I need to apologize to you for that or even I gave you a smartphone too soon and I really I I realize now that was actually a really poor choice on on my part and I need to take it back and I'm sorry that I did that that is so huge in in a community even a family community being able to thrive is just having the ability to connect on that level inside of your own home but man can you imagine if if every ward or every young women's class or every christian community had that within the walls of their church where it was like you know what i am i'm here today because i need jesus um because i'm not perfect it's a very unintentional mistake yeah our parents did it their parents did it and a lot of us have done it to some degree Mm -hmm. and that is putting on this image it's a great responsibility Oh yeah. To become a parent, to become a father is a great responsibility. So you want to show your kids the model that you want them to mirror, right? Like you want to show them what you expect. And it's this misconception I think we've had for a long time that we forget to share with them that we're human. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, our children, our parents raised us and their parents raised them in like this herd mentality, right? Like the neighborhood, the church would just raise everybody together as this safe place. 
we don't live in that world anymore. There's nothing safe. Our kids are exposed to everything and anything. And so the you know. only safe place they have is you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's every parent's worst nightmare to think, oh, what if I, what if I partied in high school? What if I struggled with depression? What if I had an eating disorder? What if I was a drug addict? Um, telling that to your kid almost feels like you lose all credibility. You're going to fall apart. Yeah, but they're not going to uphold any standard that you you failed from personal at or from personal experience. It's had the exact opposite. Even when my kids were at younger ages, telling them what I'd been through, the things that I'd overcome, didn't change one bit. They didn't hug me less. They didn't kiss me less. They didn't want to snuggle me less. Well, and I don't think they felt like, well, cool, like we're great now. We can go party because Dad did. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're just like, yeah, nobody, oh. yeah, nobody thinks that. No, when, if they when they when they hear their when they hear their father or their mother tell them, I made this mistake. Please, this is what I went through, and you don't want to you don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Right. I feel I I feel like my experience with that personally and my experience with other parents is that they actually gain respect in their yeah. children's eyes because they overcame it, but also that they were honest. And then again, it is that you are creating a huge safe space for your kids yes. by showing them I'm fallible. I am also forgiving. Yes. And I am, it's kind of like knowing that Jesus Christ sank below it all, mm -hmm. right. That he, that he can understands all of it because he went through everything. Right. He, he faced every temptation. He had every ailment. You know, he understood that in, an, in such an empathetic way that he's the one that we know we can trust and go right. to. It's the right. same. Yep. It's like we, we do that, that in a, yeah, we do that in a tiny little point part to our kids by saying, you know, I went through this and this is what it took to over overcome it. Yeah. And you don't, you know, and please learn from my experience. Yeah, because you know, that, they, they're going to make mistakes. And whether they're same as yours or completely different, what you just told them is, hey, when you do, because you will, you're safe. Yep. You know where to go. And it's not to your smartphone. It's not to Google. It's not to a friend. They can come to the person who loves them the most that yep. will give them the honest answer. So you just created that safe avenue. Yeah. I yeah. It. And it's kind of, it's kind of like the misconception that people have of, Oh, if I talk about sex or pornography that I'm going to make my kids curious. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give them that curiosity. It's like, they're curious no matter what. Oh, yeah, they, you're yep. like, you can't control what, that. Yeah. What you're doing though, is telling them I'm willing to talk about these things yeah. that I can talk about anything from orgasm to anal sex to oral sex to the pornography that's out there you know you are you're you're just letting them know i'm 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 willing and able to talk about this without freaking out without getting nervous without judging you yeah. without being you know without bringing shame to the experience it's like all you're doing is helping your child you're empowering them with knowledge yeah. you're not you're not creating you're not curiosity. giving them the, the green light to go do it yeah, they're not going to go out and start having oral sex just because you told them about it. Because you told it. them yes. about yeah. it, right. <laughs> um, but if you don't answer the question, they're going to look it up. They're going to be interested. Oh, yeah. And the yes. information they're going to find is not the same we found in those things called encyclopedias that were anticlimactic. <laughs> they're going to find yeah. visuals, videos, yeah. clips. Yeah. yeah, yep. It's it's just the fact. So that that's like brings me to my next question, which is like, in your opinion, what has been the biggest shift in parenting uh, in the, in the last 10 years, even just the last decade. It might sound silly and simplistic, but social media, yeah. it's again, not silly. it's Constant got, it's, it's gotten all of, it's gotten all of us totally distracted. It's exposed our kids to every disgusting habit in the world. Um, it's given visuals, as you said, to how to have your own eating disorder, how to self-harm, how to question every normal, natural, biological piece of us, you know, that, yeah. that I would say that is the biggest factor again. And it is, that's why I say it is so underestimated in its power. There's so many things that have changed in the last decade and it is because of social media, the bullying, the, um, comparison. again, the, the comparison, the, so the anxiety, the depression. Um, it's not an accident that we now have an over 5,000% increase in, in transgender claims that is the last 10 years. That's social media. That is not biology. And that is not to downplay the pain 
and the suffering of the kids that I know that are going through that right now. But I do know that, you know, it is, it's, there's, it's a much more complicated issue, Mm -hmm. but um, it's something that I've been researching in the last year a lot. And it's been fascinating and just heartbreaking. And it is definitely social media has played a part in every, in every anxiety and problem that our kids are facing today. And also with parenting changes, again, it has just been, that's what's shifted again, where we are more distracted. So we were, our our parents were distracted too. You know, our parents reading the newspaper, TV, they were watching TV. My mother watched a lot of television. Johnny Carson. What was that once? What was that one sitcom? Days of our lives. (laughs) Days of our lives. Yes. My yes. mother watched Days of Our Lives. We had a TV in the kitchen. Yep. They would turn it, they would turn it on during dinner. Yeah. We have that, like we wouldn't even have conversation. They would turn it on during dinner yep. loudly, right? And so again, they were distracted, but it was so nothing different. to the dis- it was nothing to the distractions. Just like, and again, where it's like we have to be even more vigilant because I always like to ask the question to, to parents, were you exposed to even 10% of what your kids are? when it comes to sex, anything sexual, were you exposed to 10% of what your kids are exposed to now? It's like, no, no, our kids are exposed to a thousand percent more sexual, you know, different sexual things, violence, you know, just immoral, unkind behavior of just being very selfish. When I look at television shows and how they portray a quote, healthy relationship or Mm -hmm. love or intimacy, it is so ridiculous and sad, but again, it is what we were exposed to. It was so tiny. And then, yeah. And then very limited two dimensional images on paper. Yeah. I remember my mom used to get the, what was it? The ZCMI or the Macy's catalog or something, that big old magazine. And I'd make sure she wasn't looking or she was busy cooking, watching a show. And I'd flip through so I could see the underwear section. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. The yeah. little underwears in the back. And I'd be like, get all excited as a boy. Yeah. And then I had to make sure my mom's not looking. Yeah. And now like, kids sitting their phone with a smartphone so nice. and nothing's two dimensional anymore. It's live, yeah. interactive, exactly. moving, yeah. filtered, Photoshop, fake. It is incredible. It, it, well, it and is. even and even like when um like when pornography went online, you know, if you remember when we were in college, when I was in college in the nineties, right? I mean, it would crash your computer. We had friends that their yeah. computers were crashing. We had no idea it was because of porn, right? Oh yeah, right. And then it opened then like it sixty fast. windows. Yeah. Then it got faster and faster. Now it's on our phones, right? The yeah. smartphone came out about eleven years ago. Uh, social media about eleven years ago that it really took off. So that is where we have again, and you know, the porn industry, they can't believe what they they themselves can't believe what they've been able to get away with. Oh, no doubt. They they themselves are like, we're expecting much more pushback, much in the middle two thousands. Sure. And no one said a thing, no just very little political opposition. Mm -hmm. And then so, you know, what they even present to kids now, even just five years ago, is so much more violent. It is so much more disgusting. It is so much more humiliating and degrading to women. Like when I say the word degrade, I feel like it's a punchline. It doesn't even begin to explain what women are expected to do in Mm -hmm. pornography and what our kids, again, they're, most of them are being exposed in that eight to 12 range, which is when we are forming our sexual template. That's when we're deciding if we're gay or straight, that's when we're figuring this out. Right. And that is when most kids are exposed and what they are seeing with a woman constantly in a position of powerlessness, this body punishing sex for women. And it's again, like, that is what scares me. So it's like when we talk about addiction, yeah, I worry. I worry a lot. But I also, I am more worried about what this is doing to our whole culture, that yeah. every future lawyer, doctor, policeman, fireman is being raised on this. Yeah. You know, that, and again, and and what they see combined with social media, it's like, we just have no idea. We're beginning to see the effects yep. because we are 10 years in, but we still... The effects started slow and now they're becoming rapid. It, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is. It, it That snowball is rolling down just, the hill. Just so the last fast. couple of months, I've had some really gruesome examples of that. Um, 
working with young men that come from incredible families, incredible yeah. families, church going boys, good, good boys. And they themselves, and they themselves are good. Yes. Oh, they're great and boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Have progressed from watching casual porn, like man and woman, then it elevated to woman on woman, then group things, the violent things. And it's the same way the porn industry does. They're probably shocking themselves with what they have to put out because it's all progressive in order to have that same experience, right? When I saw those women in the ZCMI magazine and underwear, it dopamine hit. It was intriguing. Arousal. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, get real. Absolutely. After a while, it's not as exciting anymore. So it goes to the next thing. And then you get stuck there for a while. And then you want to up the ante a little bit to excite yourself. So these young men I'm talking about, like this may be hard for some people to hear. You may turn this episode off. In the last few months, they've been they've gotten themselves in serious trouble for things like physical assault, like having consensual sex with a woman, but then putting their hands around their neck. Or having an orgasm on a woman and then spitting on her S things that you just are shake your head out. at going, what they're, they, they are acting out exactly what they have. Those young before. men did not envision that in their own dreams doing that. Nope. Those were images all. that were instilled into their mind and spontaneously in the moment they think, Oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's right. It I'm is that to, I'm so, dark I'm so, I'm and messed up. To, yeah. They, they literally think they're supposed to pull out and come on a woman's face. Like, because that is one of the most, and I'm sorry if I'm offending your listeners, no, that is not. one of, that is one of the most common acts done in porn. And For it's, 12, it is to me, to me, to me, it, to me, it is literally, it's the F you to the woman. It is. And that is again, over and over what these kids see. That's why we're also seeing a huge increase in peer on peer sexual abuse. Yeah. And it is not just things like somebody is grabbing someone's bum, pinching someone's bum. We are seeing, like you said, the choking, these crazy, creepy things that are that they're seeing in pornography, that they're they're literally just acting out something that they've seen 20, 30, 50 times. And that is, again, that's the terrifying thing that this is the repertoire that our daughters yes. are going to be expected to perform. Right. Okay. That that is what, and that our sons are going to think they have to perform gymnastics in the bedroom because of the, the silliness that, you know, and people, because they'll also, they'll see topics, you know, because every year Pornhub, they put out their top what do you call it? Their top search terms, let's say, and something that people, again, they'll see them and just be like, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, okay. Lesbian porn. That's the top things. Well, it's like, it's not porn made for lesbians. This is, you know what I mean? Like there is, and this is what like frustrates me is that they don't realize that this is, you know, two 18 year old girls that are going at each other and it is, it's made for straight men. Yep. Yeah. And that there's, that there'll be a topic like BBW, big, beautiful women right? Which means usually very overweight or obese women. And then so people might think, oh, that's really inclusive. That's nice that we're including um, larger women in pornography or whatever. No, no I don't understand. That was something fetish. like that. Exactly. That they're using it as a, as a point of humiliation to we, humiliate we, we, these women. And on the know? flip side, I always help, or I try to encourage these young men, right? Like we had a professional on our podcast of a little while back named Tammy Hill. And she talks oh, I about, know Tammy. yeah, she's great. She talks about the actual joy and excitement of exploring your sexuality within a safe place. And that safe place is, for example, being married with someone you love and trust who's that you get to actually explore and have fun and, and, and engage in a sexual experience that grows over time. So these young men think it's never going to happen, but there's things that you'll be able to do with someone you love and trust in a place of safety and peace that will be awesome and exciting and stimulating, mm -hmm. but it's things that they're doing at an age where they're not in that place. And that's where it becomes harmful. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Cause you, you made me think of, so my son had recently told me about, uh, you know, some conversations he had overheard with the people next to him in class talking about their sexual experiences. My son was a sophomore and they, they will talk about it like, oh yeah, that they're, you know, you know, having oral sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Like they're just talking about it right there in class. No big deal. Right. And then the other kids will say something like, I'm really glad to see that you're progressing with your, your boyfriend like that. Oh my so they God. have, they have the adult words, mm -hmm. right? They have the, they, they have the adult words, but they don't have the context. They, 
that's again that that undeveloped brain that we are giving this powerful tool to then they act it out and they have none of the emotional physical spiritual intellectual maturity there that goes with that safe space but that is also why we need to talk about the opposite of pornography that healthy sexuality that beautiful part of it because if they're going to understand the dark they have to understand the light as yes. well that, and we have to so teach true. them those those other amazing wonderful the alternative of what is really out there yep. what is worth why is it worth waiting for why you are worth waiting for why your body is special why you are amazing why sex with you is a privilege not an expectation or a right right you know? right so. well and i love that because i really i think a lot of parents are are getting to understand like what they're up against. I think uh, more and more parents are, are at least starting to accept that they don't have control over what their kids are exposed to at all times. But to me, I'm like, okay, but that should trigger a response in you to step up yeah, to much, the plate. Much more aggressive response. And, and you, you have to be the one willing to have those com conversations that maybe are a little bit uncomfortable to you, but get comfortable in it. Because your kids really need to understand that light, that, that other side of it. They're getting a heavy dose of the dark, a heavy, heavy one. And guess what? It looks like the most amazing time. It's like what we always say, like when you tell your kids not to drink, like it's kind of hard because like everybody on beer commercials looks like they're having the best time ever. <laughs> like, and it's the same with sex. And so they're just getting all of this information, but we have to be willing to say the words like oral sex, anal sex, what are these things? Can we talk about it so that you know like what is going on there and you can understand and build a framework in which you will be able to enjoy a healthy sexual relationship at some point in your life with the right person? And I just feel like way too many parents are just kind of still holding off like, oh, you know, I think they know what we expect. And, you know, and I'm like, that's fine that they know, but they need to know the truth and they need to hear it from you. Well, you expose the enemy. When you expose it, you, you take away its weapon, its most powerful weapon. Yep. Absolutely. You, allow, Absolutely. you don't allow them to deceive you, like you said. Yep. I, I agree. That, you, that's exactly right. Do you have any other questions for? I just want you to talk for a minute about your awesome books, like your um, 30 day sex talks with the different age groups are incredible. Yeah. Cause please, um, we'll link them in the show notes, right? Yep, well, yep, my wife will, she does all that stuff. Um, so, so we have, so our website is educateempowerkids.org and empowerlatterdaysaintkids.org. The books are available there. So we have 30 days of sex talks for ages three to seven, eight to 11 and 12 plus people freak out with the three to seven. It is mostly protective information, teaching them that their body belongs to them. We step it up. Now, the point of when you look at the books, they look really simple, but that's part of the point is you should be able to look at it for five minutes and give the lesson for five minutes. Like it should be that simple. It should not be this long drawn out, scary, intimidating thing. So that's yep. why we've broken them down into these little tiny chats. And you can have them over How and over and over, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have people that they put the book in the car when they're on a little drive, they, they talk about it. We have how to talk to your kids about pornography. Again, it's about very basic conversations um, for your kids, 30 days to a stronger child. We wrote that book um, starting, we started to develop it after um, one of the terrorist attacks in Paris, when I basically realized my kids have to be a lot stronger than me. So that it actually goes along really well with the children and youth program that the LDS church has, even though we wrote it before they came out. <laughs> um, it is about filling your intellectual, your spiritual, your physical, intellectual, and emotional accounts, keeping your accounts full so that you are less likely to seek after addictive um, substances and behaviors. We also have some children's books. Two of them are on body image. Um, it's called like one is called, they're called messages about me. One is for boys, one is for girls. We have the ones that you mentioned at the beginning about it's one is called Noah's new phone. It's basically a boy who gets a phone too young. We have Petra's power to see, and that is about learning how to read media images in the culture. So it talks about social media, advertising, fake news really, again, breaks it down. And then for, um, for Christians, we have, this is the spirit of revelation about 
receiving and understanding personal revelation. We have another one about priesthood power for boys and girls. That's the last one I'll mention. We have a couple more, but well, I'm going on and on here. But no, that, one to me is an, that one is an important book. Um, as I researched about priesthood power for kids was realizing um, that we have access to priesthood power as soon as we make covenants. That is something I really wish I had known as a child and known as a young woman growing up in the church. And so it just has some, just again, it just breaks it down real simple. I know your viewers can't see the video, but I'm just showing you guys yeah. um, awesome. that just again, explaining what what priesthood is and our access to it. And it's, again, it's a highly underutilized tool in the world, I think. And so Amen. all the books are available on the website or um, on Amazon. Okay. Wow. And then could you give everybody your Instagram ham handles? Yeah. Our Instagram is edu empower kids. And then our LDS one is latter day parents and um, yeah, we share stuff on there all the time. Our website has tons of free lessons, has a few free eBooks for parents. I'm always about giving as much away free as possible or as inexpensively as possible. And your viewers should know, I don't keep any of the profits um, for any of the books. Um, they go to pay my freelancers or any extra money is donated to humanitarian aid. That's awesome. So. That is, you're amazing. And, and I'm so grateful that we were able to have you on because I know you're a very busy woman, but if you are not following her already, like literally pick up your phone right now, go to Instagram and follow <laughs> her handles because, because she posts the most amazing informative things that you can, you can instantly like internalize and do in your families like today and yeah. it'll make you a better parent. So Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for, for being a for warrior being, out there addressing yes. the topic that's more applicable to every home than any other one. So yep. you too. You guys are doing awesome work too. So thank you. Yeah. Have a great week. See you guys. Thank you.